Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Hi, everyone. It's great to be with you. Um, man, I can't wait to see all of you at First Wednesday, and we'll just figure out how to fit into that room. Yeah. Right? We'll make it happen. We are in week number two of our series, All Are Welcome. Everyone say, All Are Welcome. God wants all people to come to know him. He's invited everyone in. Every man, every woman, every child is invited into his family and into his kingdom. And Jesus, of course, used the words, come, follow me, as this invitation to say, all are welcome. 1 Timothy 2 says this in verse 4 through 6. It says, God, our Savior, wants everyone to be saved. Who does he want saved? I didn't, that wasn't everyone who said it. Everyone say everyone. everyone. He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who, came to recon, who can reconcile God and humanity. Just one. The man, Jesus Christ. He's him. <laughs> he gave his life to purchase freedom for who? Everyone. everyone. This is the message God gave to the world. I want to talk about that message. All are welcome. Everyone can come and follow him. Reconcile your life through Jesus. He, did, he died in order that you may live. This is the message. And today I actually want to talk about this message in the form of God's mission. God is on a mission to reach all people in this world. I don't know if you were ready to talk about God's mission today. If you were ready, great. If you aren't, I just want you to know I'm ready for you. <laughs> God is already ready as well, and so even if you're not ready, let's go. Y'all, y'all, I, hope, I hope today that by the end of it, you are going to connect the dots on the fact that you have a loving God who's on a mission to redeem and restore all that is broken, which includes each and every one of us. I've titled today's message, Delighted to Share. <laughs> delighted to Share. And I believe it's going to be delightful today. I can already feel it in the room, right? I, I want to begin with a little story. Um, <clears throat> it actually is from a story, a, a strange encounter I had. Anybody ever have a strange encounter before? <laughs> you know, one of those awkward moments. <laughs> had one of those recently, a couple weeks ago, happened at my house. A few of us were standing out in my driveway, and a van pulls up and stops in front of my house, backs up, and then pulls into my driveway. And... Then the driver started motioning for me to come towards them. Yes, stranger danger, jeeper creeper, sussy van in my driveway asking me to approach. And I'm like, I'm walking up towards him and he shouts out from inside the car, do you eat chicken? I said, do I eat chicken? Is the sky blue? Of course I eat chicken. Chicken's delicious. I walk up and he says, do you eat chicken? I said, uh, why are you asking? He said, I got chicken in the back of my van. It's range-free, cage-free, delicious chicken. You want to make a deal? <laughs> I need to pause. This happened. I'm not, I'm not making this up. This happened in my life. I said, so hold up, hold up, hold up. You have chicken in the back of your van, and you want to know if I want to make a deal. Let me think. No. <laughs> and without any words, he backed out of my driveway and out of my life forever. <laughs> it was that quick. 
Everyone, look at your neighbor and say, do you eat chicken? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes people drive into your life awkwardly with their own mission. Dude wanted to make some money. That was his mission. He had meat in the back of his van. He made money selling meat, but it didn't work because his tactics were terrible. And his approach was weird. Can I just share something with you today? Can I just throw something out there? This is how so many people are experiencing the church and God these days. The mission is fine. The tactics are terrible. The finesse is not there. Listen, I'm okay with the mission. Dude barrels into my life saying, I want you to eat chicken. I eat chicken. In fact, I'm even on board with eating more chicken. Chick-fil-A has me. I'm just not okay eating his chicken. Why? Because I don't know the dude. What if I did know the guy? Maybe I understood a little bit more about his range-free kitchen, chicken. Maybe if I understood where he was coming from, if we were friends, if I trusted the chicken in the back of his van that he didn't want to put back in his fridge, maybe, maybe then I would have bought his chicken. Mm. Many in the church have a tactical issue, no finesse. The mission is fine. But the, but the process is the problem. Last Sunday, we put a challenge out there for you. We called, it, we called it a vision. We called it fill the empty. And this simple vision starts with God wants to fill every person who feels empty. I believe that. That's part of his mission. And so we got practical and said, you know, let's rally together and let's fill the empty chairs in this room. And it doesn't look like there's a lot, but I said it last week, there's there's well over 100 empty chairs in this room, and the empty chair is a vision because every empty chair represents a person, a person who could come and hear the message of Jesus. And, and so we kind of had a good old-fashioned, hey, invite a friend to church kind of vision last week, on, and we're really targeting next Sunday, March 10th, that you would bring someone and, and that you would prayerfully consider who you can invite to church and fill the empty rooms. And listen, this is a rally point because all, every once in a while we need a target, we need a goal, Right? And, and, and whether you invite someone next week or not, that's not really the point. Yeah, we hope you do. But if you don't, uh, we want to put this vision in your heart that you would know that, hey, God wants you and wants to use you to invite people into his mission. But here's what I want to say. My encourage is if you do invite someone this week, don't be awkward about it. And you're like, well, I don't know how to not be awkward. I get it. We're going to help you today just a little bit. But we can't be solely mission-focused. This isn't check the box and barrel into someone's life and say, do you want to go to church with me? Um, it's, it's more like, hey, I want you to think of someone that you know, that you love, and that already knows you and trusts you. And someone that you'd say, man, I'd love for them to come to church with me. And then, then you just naturally figure out a way to just say, hey, I'd love for you to come to church. Maybe go to lunch afterwards. I'd just love to hang out with you. You know, when you already know the person and they already know you, everyone appreciates an invite. Even if they don't come, um, if they know that it's coming from a place of love, they appreciate it. And so that's, that's, that's just where we're going to begin today. And I want to encourage you next week, you know, we're going to fill the empty. And let me ask you, though, um, how many of you know that it's good to be in a church that cares about thinking about other people, loving neighbors? Um, because we have a value here, and the value is simple. The very first value of our church is reaching people. We have six values as a church, in fact. 
reaching people, extravagant love, passionate devotion, courageous faith, spiritual family, doing things that matter. If someone says, what's OKC community all about? Well, these are the things we value, but let's talk about reaching people. Reaching people, when we say it like this, you can go to the next slide, we say it like this, that every life matters to God and to us. We are crazy about reaching people for Christ and seeing God transform lives. How many of you guys think that's a good value for a church to have? Right? You better believe it. You better think it's a good value. I'm just kidding. First Thessalonians 2.8 says this. Let me read this one to you. It says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share. There it is. Delighted to share. Not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We were delighted to share. Everyone say delighted to share. Delighted to share. Paul says, I didn't just, you know, share the gospel with you. I shared my life with you as well. That's what we mean by live the values, right? It's, it's something that we actually live in word and deed and in friendship and in meals and through life. So I want you to consider this thought as we get going. Are you delighted to share the gospel and your lives with other people? I want you to really think about it. It's a tough question. Are you delighted? Perhaps some of us feel obligated. Perhaps others of us feel, you know, a little bit uninterested or feel guilty because we don't share. What, I mean, we share a lot of things, but are you delighted? I want to take you back for just a minute, memory lane. Go back to when you were a child. Let's go back to first day of kindergarten. I mean, a lot of you are like, I, I don't remember first day of kindergarten. Well, I'm going to make up something for that day. Imagine you are at the first day of kindergarten. And you sit down to lunch and you have been hooked up because your mom has put in your lunchbox a half of a dozen double stuff Oreo cookies. Who in here likes some double stuffs? Way better than the single stuff. And your new best friend who you've known for three hours is sitting next to you. It's your new bestie. And they open their lunchbox and all they got in it for dessert is carrot sticks. And they look at you and they say, my favorite is Oreos. <laughs> And you have a moment. You have to decide in this moment, am I going to share my precious and valuable double stuff Oreos or am I going to look at my new bestie and say, tough cookies? <laughs> There's actually psychology to the act of sharing. It begins in the earliest stages of life. And a number of studies have been done with children to determine whether children are willing to share, what makes them willing to share, who they're willing to share with, why they will share. And one of the studies created two focus groups. One set of children were forced to share some stickers that they were given. Another set of kids, they were given the opportunity to share those stickers, but they weren't forced to share them. And what they found is that those who were forced to share, nearly every one of those kids, of course, became angry, upset, and they had a negative experience around sharing. While those in the group not forced to share, there were a few who did not share, but most of them actually ended up sharing their stickers and were delighted to do so. They actually enjoyed it. And they had a positive experience around sharing. Now, this may sound like an obvious outcome, but it sort of brings up a dilemma for those of us who are parents. Because what do we do anytime one of our kids, we see them not sharing? We immediately get upset with them. We scold them. And we say, hey, you need to share. And we put a negative experience around sharing in their life. And we don't even know that we're doing it. Parents unintentionally miss the opportunity to build a heart 
and a hope for the joy of sharing in our kids. But no blame. I mean, I've done it there. We, we get it all that. But, but, but when it comes to this, this understanding of how to, how to create the joy of sharing, if we think about this in the context of the church, we think about this in the context of me saying, hey, we're supposed to share Jesus. We're supposed to share God's mission with the world, which we're going to get into that in a moment. I think a lot of us, we have felt a negative experience around that because for a lot of us, we feel like spiritual underachievers because we're not all that great at it. Uh, we, we, we might neglect to do it. it. It creates a negative impact and we don't really want to share more because we aren't really delighted to share at all. And I think it's interesting that the psychology of sharing, yes, it can be summarized with carrot sticks and Oreos, but it gets really deep really fast because this is all connected. Believe it or not, the chicken guy, God's mission, empty chairs, and your life, it's all connected. So let me ask you, why is sharing Christ something most of us aren't all that interested in doing? And you're saying, hold on, hold on, that, that's, that's not fair. Okay, maybe we're interested, maybe we, have, we like the idea of sharing, we believe in the call of sharing, we're just not very good at sharing. Can we get honest today? Can we be honest in this room? There might be a few of you who are really good at sharing Jesus all the time, and I'm, man, praise God for that. But I don't know for a lot of us, this is a difficult space for us. Collectively, we aren't great at sharing Jesus. Now, there are a lot of reasons why uh, several obstacles stop us from being people who share Jesus. And if you're sitting here going, like, I don't really ever think about sharing Jesus. I don't want to share Jesus. I don't even know Jesus. Just stay with me for a little bit because I think inside of this you're going to hear the good news of Jesus and you're going to hear that he came for you and the whole idea of his mission begins with you. But there are a lot of things that get in the way of us sharing Jesus. I made a little list. I made a list of 10 things, top 10 lists, right, of things that get in the way of sharing Jesus. And so if you think of it this way, we have this mission to share Jesus. And, and you go to the next slide and it's going into the world and every time it goes, it starts to hit a wall, doesn't it? Like eventually it hits a wall, and that wall, there's, a whole, there's, there's ten things that I want to point to. And we'll just go through them very quickly. This is not the point of the message. This is the setup, all right? Number one, effort. This is one of the things we hit. Effort is required to share Jesus, and most of us don't like to give effort for anybody but ourselves. We are effort hoarders. Number two, care. Care is often reserved to a small group of people. Therefore, caring for others outside of our carefully protected circle is very limited. We need to expand our mindset, right? That all are welcome. So this is personal responsibility on these first two. Do we have, are we putting effort in? Are we putting care in? Number three, outsourced responsibility. The responsibility of evangelism, mission, preaching is exported to organized church, missionaries, and people who are more equipped and passionate than we are. And we use the excuse by citing our own inadequacies or our beliefs that we don't have the skills necessary. Well, someone else will do it. Number four, missional ignorance. Many people who claim Jesus don't fully understand God's missional purpose in the world. We just don't get it. We don't understand it fully. In a study done by Barna, one of the more surprising stats I've ever seen, 51% of Christian church goers, people who go to church, have never heard the concept of the Great Commission. Hoobity, what? That just blows my mind. <laughs> Number five, theological drift. Bad theology 
that de-emphasizes sharing Jesus is actually popular in today's culture, causing many to drift to a more consumer-me-focused faith. In the same study of Barna, catch this, 47% of millennials who are practicing Christians say it's wrong to evangelize. It's wrong to share one's personal beliefs in the hopes that they will, that they will someday share the same beliefs as you. However, that same study said 65% of millennials believe that being a witness for God is a part of their faith. And 70% strongly believe that a person making a decision to follow Jesus is the best thing that could happen to a person. So 70% believe that it's the best, following Jesus is the best thing that could happen to a person, which should be 100%, but whatever. 65% say that sharing faith is important, but 47% say that it's wrong to share our faith. Is anyone else confused? Yeah, that's called theological drift. Believing it's wrong to share Jesus with the world and with people around us. Number six, unkept priesthood. Believers are collectively called the royal priesthood, the holy people. We are a priesthood, right? 1 Peter 2.9. But the devotion and the practice to keep the fire burning is largely unkept. Very few people are trying to keep the fire burning by the rest of us are trying to just Catch a little waft of that heat. Number seven, exhaustion. We are just too tired to love. We don't have anything left in the tank. Probably no biblical encouragement has been given by pastors and books over the last 20 years than this. Slow down. Right? Dallas Willard said, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. Fear. Number eight, fear. We fear people more than we fear God. We'll talk about that one another week. Number nine, compartmentalized faith. Unconsciously operating as if God only operates and moves in certain times and places. A.K.A. we don't think about God very much unless we're at church. Number ten, low expectations. When we have tempered low expectations, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We don't expect much. God's like, well, okay, I won't do much. So these 10 obstacles, they work in, a life, in our life like a wall to our ability to share Jesus. And there's probably another 10, there's probably 100 more of these things that are contributing to reasons why many of us struggle to share Jesus effectively. So how do we overcome all these 10 things? That's the question, right? Well, I'll just say this. It's not about trying harder. We can't try hard enough. I assume all of us are tired of trying harder anyway. We are tired of being shoved in the back to do better. This is not a do better sermon. I'm not doing that. However, I will say it's, a lot of, it's, a, it's about a lot of little things. It's about a lot of littles that add up in order for us to train better. It's the spiritual growth truth that I've said many, many times over the course of our history of our church. Our, our growth is not about trying harder, trying harder. It's about training better. Most of us don't know how to share Jesus. So when it comes to those 10 things, we feel powerless to overcome it. So here's what I'd like to do today. I'd like to get some training thoughts out there. Uh, and to start, I think it would be really helpful if I take a few minutes to back up and talk, as I said at the very beginning, about the mission of God. Can we go to seminary for just a minute? Can we go to Bible school for just a second? Okay, that, that was not overwhelming. I'll just skip to the end, I guess, and skip to me. Anybody, can we go to Bible school for a minute? Yeah. All right. Let's talk about biblical, missional, theology. Yay. All right. This simply means, this simply means to understand God's mission in the world. So put it up there. Put it up there. 
we have to understand this about the Bible. The whole Bible is a missional narrative of God who is on a mission to renew and restore all things. That's what the Bible's about. In case you're wondering, someone says this is a love letter. Eh, it's God's love in it. Uh, this is an instruction manual. It's got some instructions in it. Uh, this is, you know, whatever we like to put the title in the Bible, at the end of the day, this is a story of God on a mission. Whew. What's he on a mission to do? You probably should know. You probably should know. The missional narrative of God means that the Bible, the entire Bible, the entire history, all the way up to the current age, we are part of an epic and eternal story of God who is on a mission to redeem all that's been broken in the world, starting with us. A story where all are welcome into his family and into his kingdom. His kingdom is a kingdom of love and holiness and righteousness. But he says, to everyone, all are welcome. Let me show you a helpful way to understand missional theology. Next slide. So we got four words up here that all end in ology. And ology is a Greek word for, under, for understanding. It's for the study of. So theology is our understanding of God. Christology is our understanding of Christ. Ecclesiology is our understanding of the church, meaning ecclesia is the word for church. And missiology is our understanding of our mission. These four things are essential in, our forming, in forming our view of God, ourselves, of Jesus, and the church. And even, and it has a lot to do with what you do in everyday life. Anyone who wants to be informed of the spiritual life that God wants for us, we have to actually walk through all four of these things, whether you know it or not. Whether you put the, this word assigned to it or not. So we can make this simpler, but I'll show you the next slide. This makes it a little bit simpler. We are asking the question, who is God? Why did Jesus come? Who are we? And what do we do? And the interesting thing about these four questions is churches love to skip to that last one right there. What do we do? Right? We love to always, I mean, most of us in our lives are like, God, what do I need to do with my life? God, what do I, where do I need to go? God, what, what job should I take? So we're focused on what we do in life, and we often skip past really getting clear on who is God, why did Jesus come, and who are we? And here's the deal. If, you're, if you've been a part of this church for a long time, we spend a lot more time on this end of the spectrum than we do on that one. This series happens to be a little bit more about that one, but we have not skipped that. And we're not going to because that's the foundation. We have to start with who is God. So, next slide gets us into the heart of this. Well, <clears throat> kind of behind the drums over there if you're on that side of the room, it says God is a missionary. Who's God? God is a missionary. God is a missionary. More specifically, God is on a mission to renew and restore all that is broken. I've said that many times, including you and me. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to save people, to rescue people. He brought redemption and the power-washing blood of his sacrifice to wash us clean and to reconcile us before God. And so you got to imagine every person in the world was drowning slowly, and Jesus became our life raft that we can grab a hold of. And the life raft is within reach for every person. And so he wants us to grab a hold of it. So who are we? Well, we then are the rescued people of God that rest in his salvation and his love. And what do we do then? Well, we take on the nature of God and we adopt the mission that God gave to Jesus where he sent Christ into the world to share his message of love to a broken world. We are sent as missionaries just like God himself is a missionary. So what am I saying? I'm saying we cannot forget the plot. We can't forget what the story is about. And the story that we are in, we are living this story with God to, re to redeem and renew and revive his people. And sin 
has caused all sorts of darkness and brokenness in every one of us. And God's mission is to save us from sin, to heal us from pain, and to cast out the darkness. In other words, he is rescuing us. How many of you are thankful for God's rescue of you? Come on. So inviting people to church is bigger than just something you should go do. It's actually an outflow of God's mission working through you and into others. Okay, let's pause. Shall we? Everybody take a deep breath. (sighs) We've made it quite a ways in this message from the chicken guy. (laughs) Chicken guy, Oreos, and biblical missional theology. Amen? Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, God is on a mission. Look at your other neighbor and say, and so are we. So the big question we're leading towards, I think it hits all of us eventually when we come compelled with the, oh, the big story we're in. Well, how do I share Jesus with people? That's the question we eventually get to, right? How do I share Jesus with people? When I was younger, it was popular to share Jesus with people with an obnoxious Christian t-shirt. That said something that when someone would read it, we would imagine, we would imagine they would Im- immediately surrender their life to Jesus because of your t-shirt. In fact, people would say, my t-shirt is my witness. So the shirt would look like an Abercrombie and Fitch t-shirt, but it would say a breadcrumb and fish. <laughs> Immediate altar call, right? Here's the deal. I'm kidding. T-shirts are fine. Go for it. But tactics, tactics are questionable, right? The point is we have tried all sorts of things on how to share Jesus. And some are good and some are not so good. And how to share Jesus is actually a contextual question. Meaning God's mission must be contextualized to the place you're in, to the people you're talking to, and even the time and the era we're living in. For example, I think this makes a lot of sense and it's pretty basic, but... We may share Jesus in the United States differently than they shared Jesus in India or Brazil. Same truth, right? Different tactics. More closer to home, you may share Jesus with different people in your life differently. There may be someone who's antagonistic and angry towards God, and the way you share Jesus with them is very delicate. Or you may have a child in your life who's very curious about God. Different tactics. Context matters. Who you're talking to, where you're talking at, or where you're talking to them to them at and where they're at in life all matters. So let's answer this question, how do we share the gospel or Jesus with people? Let's answer it with a timeless truth that works in any context, any culture, and with any person. That's helpful. I'm going to, so you're left with the contextual issues on your own, but I'm going to give you something that works anywhere. I'm going to close this message with some straight fire from Luke chapter 10. Is that good? I didn't say it, Jesus did, so I can call it fire. Here we go. Luke 10 is the first training session that Jesus gave his disciples on how to share the gospel. He's like, all right, I'm going to train you better. Quit trying, start training. In this chapter, Jesus sends out 72 disciples, two by two, to go and share the gospel. And he begins this training with prayer. Look at this, Luke 10, verse 2. The harvest is plentiful, meaning there's a lot of people who need God. And God wants to bring them into his kingdom. But the workers are few, the bad news. There's not many of us who've taken this on seriously. Ask, 
the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So this word ask, if you really think about it, if he's saying ask the Lord, there, it's a meaning. This is an instruction to begin with prayer. To pray for the harvest. To pray for God to send out people into his harvest field. So get this. We say this often, but Jesus actually did it first. Jesus, for Jesus, everything begins and ends with prayer. Yeah, for Jesus, everything begins and ends with prayer. prayer. If we want to reach people, well, we have to pray for people. Don't try harder, train better. If you don't pray for anyone, start by praying for one person. Even today, when before we leave, you can pray for someone. Train better, right? A lot of littles. This isn't about becoming a great, becoming a great person of prayer, even though that would be a great thing. You can't do that overnight. It's about learning how to do something better, though. I recently made the return, the shameful return to the gym. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, after... After a short hiatus, very short, <laughs> I got on the treadmill, and guess what? I could not do what I wanted to do. I had to start small and trust the process. The same is true in this simple truth of praying for others. Start small. Dude, if you could pray for one person this week, in comparison to the last number of weeks when you didn't pray for anyone, that's progress. So let's keep going. So it starts with prayer. If you're already praying for people, pray for more people. Pray more often. Let's keep going in Luke 10. Again, Jesus sending out 72 to share the gospel for the first time. This is his training session. Luke chapter 10, verse 5 says, When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. What does this mean? Well, in other words, when you go to a person's, uh, when you go to a person for my sake, he says, begin by blessing them. Begin by blessing them. In Israel, whenever you would go to see a person, you would often go to their house and you would pronounce peace over their house. Shalom. Shalom to you. Shalom over your house. It was a blessing. And obviously most people would receive that blessing, but occasionally people would, would not. I don't know if you've ever encountered trying to be nice to someone and they didn't want to receive it. Like usually people receive kindness and blessing, but a few times they don't. And that's okay. God like even acknowledged that. Like, listen, it's not always going to work. Now, in today's world, I think it looks a little different. We're probably not going to go knock on someone's door and they open it and you say, shalom, right? This is a contextual issue. We're not going to do it the same way. But there's something here that's very timeless. We, we can show up in people's life and bless them. And blessing is, can look different. Blessing, in my simple estimation, like the simplest way to do it is just to encourage someone. And just to say encouraging kind words. How many know it's very rare, maybe not in the context of being in this, in this church, in a small group, but it's very rare in the world for people to walk up and intentionally encourage another person. And if you said, I'm just going to encourage people and I'm going to bless them, I'm going to affirm what I see in them and tell them what I believe is good about them, do you think that would open some doors? Do you think that would create a relationship of love and affection for one another? Most people don't receive, um, don't get that sort of encouragement very often. Or perhaps blessing them is an act of generosity. It's not as common for you to just show up and say, hey, can I come in? Maybe you're saying, hey, come over to my house. And when you give them a meal, you bless them in that moment with words of kindness and goodness and encouragement. This is a beautiful, beautiful step in sharing with a person. Again, one that is rarely done these days. But it creates a spiritual climate in your relationship because you are establishing peace in that relationship. Peace to you. 
be a peacemaker. So how do you reach people? Jesus begins by saying, first you've got to start praying for them, then you've got to start blessing them. Pray for them, bless them. Then he goes on in verse 7. After you bless them, he says, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. Praise the Lord. No dieting with Jesus. When you're on mission, just go for it. Go for broke. You don't have to worry about it. Those calories don't count. Supernatural. <laughs> oh, where was I? This is hospitality. Titus 1.8 says it this way. Be hospitable. One who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Over in Luke 14, Jesus talks about it. He said this. Then he turned to the host. So someone was hosting a party. And he said, the next time you put on a dinner, got an idea for you. Don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who return the favor. Invite someone or some people who never get invited out. Instead, like we talked about last week, for those who are out, let's invite them in. The misfits from the wrong side of the tracks, you'll be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. Let me just ask you a quick question. This is uh, really just for self-reflection more than anything. I want you to think about this. In the last year, how many people have you legitimately invited into your house? You can't count people who invited themselves. If not your home, then maybe you invited them out to dinner or out to coffee. Or maybe you said, hey, you want to go on a hike or go to the park or I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. Go to the movies. Does anybody do that anymore? Go to play pickleball. I don't know. Go to church with you. I don't care. Any kind of invite. Christy and I are actually pretty passionate about this one, that this idea of hospitality. We believe in the ministry of hospitality. It's something we've dreamed about a lot in our life and practiced a lot in our life, whether it be fire pit parties in the backyard or neighborhood parties that we've reached out to our neighbors or just having people over for dinner or having dinner parties or going out one-on-one with people or having coffee. Or It's not just part of the job. It is part of who we want to be because we believe this is something that Jesus has called us to do. But the good thing is, is these hospitality always involves food, right? It's why we do Alpha here, and it begins with hospitality. When we share the gospel through Alpha, and it shares our lives as well, we begin every night with food. Because food is just a way in which we can break down and build relationship and people can experience the hospitality of God, the welcoming nature of Jesus, which when we say it, all are welcome. Welcoming is not only welcoming the, the stranger, but it's welcoming one another through the love of Jesus. I get inspired by people's hospitality. We were invited by a couple here in our church, Brian and Chelsea, they invited us over to their house because they had a vision to say, we want to have people in our homes in which we are sharing meals with them and being hospitable. How cool is that? It's very simple. You know, Jessica and Aaron, they, they, they came over to our house with food one time and said, hey, this is a vision that God's given us that we're going to love people by providing and giving food for them. How beautiful is that? It's simple, but it's rooted in love, rooted in hospitality. So Jesus says, pray for them, bless them, eat with them, no matter what. And then finally in verse 9, about to finish up, he says, heal the sick who are there and tell them, Tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, this part can be a bit intimidating. Eat dinner with them, then heal them. <laughs> For dessert, healing service. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, dude, I just asked for the potatoes. I did not ask for you to pray for my back right now. Let me break this down. So after we pray for them, bless them, after we have conversations with them, Really pay attention more to the back half of that verse for just a moment. It says, 
that we tell them about the kingdom of God. We tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. He says, tell them. Everyone say, tell them. Eventually, they need to hear. All are welcome. You are invited in. Some of you here today, you need to hear that. You need to hear the gospel being told to you right now that God is for you. God loves you. God sees you. God wants to be in a relationship with you. Some of you need to hear, I am, I am telling you right now that the kingdom of God has come near to you. You showed up today on purpose. God knows you're here. God sees you right where you're at. It's almost like a light shining down right on you in this moment saying he loves you. We have to tell people Jesus loves them. God loves them. God is for you. God showed up for you. God rescues those who are lost those who need Jesus in their life. Eventually, people need to hear it. And you're like, well, Tim, you know, Jesus loved parties. He loved parties. Throw the parties. Be the hospitable person. But Jesus also loved preaching. (laughs) He loves parties and preaching. And if you're like, Tim, I can't do a 42-minute sermon like you're doing right now. That's all right. You don't have to. That's not what it's about. It's not about preaching like that. It's telling your story about how God has changed your life. That's all it is. It's preaching the gospel. Is just, it's just tilting the conversation towards God. That's all it is, spiritual conversation. Jesus, Jesus also points to this ministry of healing in this moment, and I get it, and I'm going to address it because here's the thing. He says in Luke 10 when he says this, if you're reading the gospels, you're like, man, there's healing everywhere. One of the ways God was working contextually in Israel at this time when God was revealing himself through the son Jesus was he was healing people. And so he's like, hey, this is going to continue. What God's doing is going to continue in your relationship. And I just want to say whatever God's doing, maybe in a larger context, may show up in your relationship. And so if God is healing in this church, which he is, why would you not believe that he could heal in your home? Because what I want to say to this is like, listen, God can do anything. How many believe God can do anything? And we can't just believe it. we got to expect it. And so if we expect that God can do anything, and if we're all priests, and if we're not compartmentalizing our faith, and we're believing that God can do more than we can imagine, then healing ministry isn't just reserved to this space. Healing ministry can go anywhere, and it could be the actual thing that God uses to open the door to the gospel to come into someone's life. Now, I say that because I want to elevate our faith in the room. I want you to know that God moves in powerful ways. So don't limit God. Expect him to move. Paul would later say in Romans, he says, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach? Paul wasn't talking about professional preachers. He was talking about all of us having the ability to proclaim the message of Jesus to those who need to hear it. So let me just summarize. How do we share the gospel with people according to Luke 10? How do we share the gospel? You can go to the next slide. Number one, we pray for them. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Number two, we bless them. You encourage them. You be generous. I think all of you can do these things. Number three, we eat with them. Hospitality, friendship. And number four, we've eventually got to tell them. We invite them to church. You're like, I can't tell them. Invite them to church then. I will. (laughs) We will. Listen, I'm okay with that. Use this church as your platform to preach Jesus. Invite them. If you're like, you know, I'm I'm not really down with that. I like to get over coffee and just talk about you. Do it. Tell them. Share a story. Don't try harder. Train better. Pray for one person. Invite one person over for dinner to your house. Bless them. 
tell your story, invite them to church, whatever it is. Ultimately, the prayer today is that we all walk out of here in the joy of sharing Jesus with people. Here's what I know. There's a good chance that you've experienced negative feelings around sharing. The church has gotten a little wobbly on this and thought, I don't know, I don't want to be awkward, I don't want to share, people or be forceful, and I don't know, faith is a private matter and all that kind of stuff. So whether you felt guilted or shamed or unsure, when we understand God's mission, how compelling it is and how it is because of, it's, it's, a, mess, it's a mission of love. It's a mission that's out to help people and love people and bring them into his family. That's what it is. And I believe when we train just a little bit better, we move from reluctant sharers to people who are delighted to share. We're delighted to share. We care about reaching people here because God cares about reaching people. God says all are welcome, and I want my heart and your heart to resonate with that and say in our own life that all are welcome. God says in his actions, declare that all are invited in. And I want you, and I want me, and I want all of us in our actions to resonate. All are invited in. So we're going to finish. We're going to finish with a bang. You all good? First Thessalonians 2.8, I read this earlier, and you're going to help me do it. It says this, because we loved you so much. Everyone say, because we loved you so much. We're going to do it again, and we're going to make it. I mean, you guys sounded good, but I think we can even be better. Because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you. Not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. May you be delighted, my friends. Nope, I'm good now. I'm good. I got it. I got this. Messing up my benediction. May you be delighted, my friends, to share the gospel of God and your lives as well. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads? I want you to just focus your heart right now. And I just want to ask you for the next 10 minutes or so, just stay here. Stay present. Don't leave. Don't think about what's happening next. Just stay here till we dismiss. Because I believe God wants to move in this time. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you minister? Would you do what only you can do? God, speak right now to anyone who needs to hear from you today. I'm just going to ask a question, and you can just raise your hand to this. But how many of you have someone in your life that you're like, you know what, first things first, I just probably need to start praying for them. I need to start praying for them. Raise your hand if you have someone in your life that you should start praying for. Good. Good. Holy Spirit, we just pray for those hands that went up. They represent people. They represent lives that need you. And, God, I pray for those that raise their hands. Would you break off any spirit of shame or anger or resentment to this idea of sharing Jesus? God, free us of of fear. We ask you to remove any spirit of selfishness that we may have. Make us generous, God. And maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, uh, all this sounds good, but I'm in a place, I'm in a different place in life, and maybe you're hearing today that God's mission is for you. You're thinking, I'm the person that needs to be rescued by God. And you're here and you're really, you're, you're resonating with that thought that, you know, I feel like I've been slowly drowning and if Jesus is there throwing the rifle left, rifle left, I want to grab a hold. If that's you today, listen, all are welcome. You are welcome in God's family. He loves you. He sees you. You're welcome into his kingdom. 
And if you want to accept Jesus right now, you can do that. You can pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Many people have received Christ this way. It's not the only way to do it, but many people have done it in a moment just like this at the end of a service where, where a pastor led, a, led through a prayer. And all you have to do is, is mean this in your heart. Do you have a heart that's ready to receive Christ, but also ready to surrender to God? So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you, if you want to receive Christ today, if you're ready to be experience the rescue of Christ in your life, to be saved, and to enter into a life with God, just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just pray that right where you're at. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Now pray, I ask for forgiveness of my sins. Say that, I ask for forgiveness of my sins. And then just say, I surrender my life to you. And then pray this, thank you for inviting me into your family. And then the last statement, I will follow you for the rest of my life. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, everybody's heads bowed, just one more moment of courage. I just want to encourage anybody right now because I want to pray for you. But if you just prayed that prayer and, and, and you meant it, you just lift your hand up wherever you're at. Just go ahead, lift it up real quick. Thank you, I see you. Go ahead, I see it, yeah? Any more, there you go, in the back, I see you. I see you up in the balcony, that's amazing. God is good, he is moving and he sees you and he wants you to know that he loves you. And Lord, I just pray for every person raising their hand right now, that Lord, the, the, the seven, eight, the 10 people that just raised their hand, I pray right now that this moment would just be, it would be rooted in your love, that the seed that you're planting in their life would be, it would become uh, a seed that is planted in, in, in healthy ground, that it will spring life now. And so Lord, I pray for each and every person that's raised their hand, seal this moment and this moment of salvation in their life. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we just celebrate God? He's so good. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.